The Natural Hat Trick, hosted by Luke Lipinski and Craig Morgan. Welcome to episode 195 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. Weren't we just here? I feel like we were just here. And Jamie Eisner. Still here. Still here. I'm Luke Lipinski. Also still here. Eastern Conference Playoff Preview in the books. Western Conference. Go listen to it now. Yes, you should be right listening. now. Listen to it as you listen to this. Simultaneously, just overlay the audio on top of each other. Ooh. Yeah, think about that. That's huh? creative. It's, it's the Did whole new Simon and Garfunkel do that with us? There's a hidden message if you do You guys that. don't even know who Simon and Garfunkel... You do know who Paul Simon is, I yeah. assume. Yes. Okay, yeah. absolutely. That's good. That's good. If you play this podcast backwards, you will see your future. <laughs> That's right? Beatles. No, you know, if, you, if you play the podcast dead. backwards, I will finally make sense. Nah. I mean, you'll make more sense. How's that? Fair. All right. We're going to get into the uh, Western Conference. We're going to preview each series the way we did it in the East. But we're going to start with Coyotes talk and listen to questions. Yes. Coyotes. 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 Fire chat. Uh, where do you guys want to begin with the Coyotes? Just general reactions to what we saw this season, 86 points after finishing with 70 last year. Uh, I just feel like uh, you can you can feel good about what the Coyotes accomplished this season. With the, the man games they lost to injury, they still made a whole lot of progress. They made some discoveries along the way. They're, they defend as well as any team in the league. I think this blue line's underrated. They discovered they have a second goaltender who can play at a Vezina Trophy caliber throughout a season. So that's that's a good thing. They discovered Connor Garland. There are a lot of good things to see in this team this season. A lot of progress made. At the same time, it doesn't mean they're taking the next step because non-linear progression. <laughs> we didn't even practice that. It just no, it's we just obvious. have such chemistry. It's, we didn't know. Oh, hey, hey, no. Chemistry is the uh, right word. <laughs> I mean and, and that that's those are the two things you kind of have to weigh cuz looking strictly in the rearview mirror, there's a lot of positivity. You now look like you have a clear path to how you can be a playoff team with your current roster. You overcame I mean, and more injuries than almost any team's had to overcome in years in the history of hockey. Ever. The world. The world. The world. Yeah, Nobody's universe. ever been more hurt. No. Uh, I think. I don't you, know if they play hockey. You're not sure about the, the universe, universe, though. And it's also a year where you locked Isn't up that a why Pluto's there. <laughs> Sorry. It's also a year where you locked up a handful of your young guys for many years in the future. So there's a lot of positive things to look at here. The negatives, if you were to, to take it that way, is one, you have another year now where Antivanta was not able to play a full season. You wonder if he will ever play a full season as a full starter share of a season, what that's going to look like. You also have to wonder if. Can you galvanize the team in the same way next season if you're not overcoming some of these injuries? Is there any sort of regression you have in your goaltending? You might get all those players back and you say, okay, well, we're going to get X number more points, but will your defense take a step back or will your goaltending not be this elite bunch that it's been for a year and a half now? So there, there are some concerns there, but there's also a lot of positivity. I think there's more that Alex Galchenyuk can potentially give your team. Uh, there's obviously more Clayton Keller can give your team. Michael Grabner even. Michael Grabner. More if he's healthy. He missed yeah. half the season. Yeah, he's, he's so You can get some goals there, goals and they score. need goals. Who do D- they need goals? Dvorak, again, barring injury, will play an actual full season for you, unlike what, he had, what happened this year when he had to come back from injury, from a massive injury. But then there's also the I don't expect Brad Richardson to flirt with 20 goals again next year. Mm-hmm. So there are some ups and downs to this part, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to add a game changer or a near game changer in the offseason. But overall, you have to be encouraged by this team's effort because they overplayed their talent level. And that was something last year where it felt like this team, 
I don't want to use the word quit because I think that's that's way too strong for professionals. But it felt like this team was easily discouraged last year. And when things started to go bad, they spiraled completely out of control. There were times where things went bad this 17, year. 17, 18, cut. you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. There were times this year when things got out of where things were going bad, but they found a way to get back out of it. And they found a way to overcome. And that's the encouraging piece. That they might they found a way to be a more cohesive team this year. And that that coupled with just superb goaltending led them to that point. It it seemed like they took adversity personally this year as a, as a team. Uh, I mean, look, I I agree with pretty much everything you said right there. And, and I mean, there's two ways to look at it. You can say, okay, like Brad Richardson's a great example. You're not expecting 19 goals from him next year. And I think with this team, it is as simple now as saying, where are you getting the offense from? I don't think the defense is going to regress. I think in some ways it could be better if Jacob Chikrin is better. I, I'm pretty confident in the goaltending. I don't know that you're going to have two Vezina candidates, but you're going to have... I think the Coyotes should have some of the better goaltending in the NHL, and they're somewhat injury-proof in that area because if you lose one, you've got the other one. Scoring's still an issue until they go out and get somebody. I don't think it has to be a game-changer, but I think they either need to add one really good scoring winger or two pretty good scoring wingers. And I don't know if they're going to do that or how they're going to do it or if you have to trade anybody to make it happen, if it's somebody of consequence or or what. But the the thing I'm most encouraged by with this team is now looking back over the last two years of the Rick Tockett, you can break it down into you know, two halves of that first season in the 27-18 season and then what we saw last year. And it all makes sense how they've progressed noticeably and, and like steadily. It's not like they made a 35-point jump this year or something. They jumped 16 points, which is very significant, but you understand why they did it. I like that pretty much the entire roster is coming back next year, which I think is more important for a team that is built on that team concept. So, yeah, they I mean, you're not going to get 19 goals from Brad Richardson. You're not going to get, what did Josh Archibald have, 12? You're probably not getting that from him. But I would assume you're going to get more production from Clayton Keller. I think he was ninth or 10th on the team of points after January 1st. And I think you can still get 30 goals out of Alex Galchenyuk. And more than 17 games from Nick Schmaltz. Yes. Would be the right. hope there, too. That's, that's the other key there. So, though, that yeah, those areas, you have to get more from Keller. He has to take a big step forward because he's... Quite frankly, he didn't have a good season this year. The second half of the season, he, I finally I was talking to somebody at the the last game, and we we're trying to figure out because he led the team in points, and I don't none didn't of get us get to fifty though. That's no. damning with faint praise on yes, the Coyotes. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, none of us remember him doing anything after like right. Halloween. He is on the ice to produce points. Okay, yeah. he doesn't add much else. He needs to produce points. So I, I'm not. I'm, I, I heard that from a lot of people. He led the team in points. I don't care. No, he didn't it, get to it's 50. It's the most empty. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's completely empty. And, and he needs to take a big step forward next season. A few times. This needs to be the worst year of his career, which is yep. ironic that he got voted to the All-Star game in that. But he they didn't use the seventh overall pick on a guy that did nothing after January 1st. That's not why you draft a guy with the seventh pick. He was literally non-existent after January 1st. So, But I think they will get more, especially with Nick Schmaltz back. Yes, yeah. playing with skill will matter. And again, do, what do they get from Alex Galchenyuk next year? Because he's a big wild card. We've seen him score 30 goals in the league before. Can he do it again? He has to be more productive even strength. He absolutely has to. He was almost a non-factor in the back half of the year, 5-on-5. Five five. Yes, but I, I don't. I didn't hate what I saw from Galchenyuk. It's not, it's not what you ultimately want, but if this is step one, you know, if he plays the whole season, he's on pace for what, like twenty three goals. Twenty. I mean, that's his first year with Rick Tockett's no, system. It's fine. No, I, I like Alchenyuk, and I think he's going to be better. I'm just saying he has to do it in those areas. Yeah. Couple, couple notes on that. I, I, I definitely liked his work ethic the whole season. So whatever, whatever might have been thrown out about 
him off the ice or his attitude, I didn't see it at I all. Never he, once this that. is a guy who really, really works at his craft, and I have seen it firsthand over and over again. So I don't think that's an issue. I do think injuries played a greater role than even we thought. We knew about the knee surgery at the start of the season. And that hampered him even after he came back. It takes a while to adjust, especially when you're with a new team, new personnel, learning a new style of play. But John Chica told me yesterday that he also had groin issues that cropped up from time to time and led to other things. So I think he was battling through more than we knew. So hopefully he can be healthy next season and give them a little bit more. But again, back to what you guys are saying. I, I do think that there's some progress that can be made, and you can maybe even look at some of the younger guys and think maybe maybe Hinnestrosa can get you more. But I don't think what they're counting on internally is enough to get them where they need to go. And and John Chica basically acknowledged that yesterday. He did. he did say in the end, we need to add scoring. But But what he said... Every summer, I feel we've had the chance to go out and add to the group to make it better, and that's the intention this year. But this is a year where we're looking for a special opportunity or two as opposed to four, five, or six. Back to what you were saying earlier, Jamie. At some point, you need to let your group grow a little bit. You can't keep making all these changes in the offseason. He thinks that they be- they have enough of a core now that they believe in it, and they, they want to see what this core can do. So you just add. And this was this was the plan all along, right? We've always talked about you build up the middle of the ice, and maybe Barrett Hayton will be here next mm-hmm. year, too, to add to that, to start growing. You build on your back end and in goal, and then the wings are the things you fill in when you feel like you have the core in place. Well, it sounds like they feel like they're at that place in their growth right now where they can add those pieces on the wing now and hopefully become a playoff team. To be honest, next season, the Coyotes need to become yeah, a playoff and team. they should be. Because if they don't take that step, that's a problem. Well, And they'll have expectations to do that. Like th- This yes. is what's going to be interesting to me because next year will be the first year in a long time where they have legitimate, not optimistic, legitimate you-better-make-the-playoffs expectations. And how does this team handle that? And again... To me, I, you talk about John Chaika saying he, you know, looking for one or two special circumstances. I don't know if those players are on the market. Like they're not going to be a player for Panarin. No, no. So is that? I mean, is that a Jordan Eberle piece? Is that a Ryan Dezingle piece? Is that a trade? I just I like that they and I agree that they are looking and saying we need to add one or two pieces. Not like one or two guys going to make them win the Stanley Cup next year, but one or two guys could be the could make the finish top three in the Pacific. It, it absolutely could, and that's that's the thing. It's it's not we need to fill all these different holes. Yeah, scoring is the toughest hole to fill in some regards, but it's literally all you need at this point. I, I'm confident with this defense and goaltending in the playoffs. I mean, they, yes, I, that's I, the other side of this. Mm-hmm. I do like the way they play for the playoffs. Yeah, if they can get a little more scoring, if they can get in. They're a dangerous team. Some of the couple of guys that we haven't talked about yet that I would say underperformed this year. What do you think about them long term? One of them we got, we get a ton of questions about, and that's Christian Fisher. Yeah, there's got I mean, there's his upside is limited. Where I don't think he's a ever thought he was going to be a first line type of player. I don't think he plays that style. No. But he is kind of the more throwback power forwardy type. You know, twenty goals stands in front of the net, goes in the corners guy. Do you see? I mean, he was a healthy scratch for a lot of the last month of the year. Do you see progress there from him, or do you think he's a guy that could be left out in the cold, especially if they add a couple wingers? I I could see him left out in the cold. I could see him being maybe part of a package if Mm -hmm. if they they trade something, but we'll have to see. Yeah, those are the exact areas where he needs to show improvement. You know, Rick Tockett always calls it sticky, not not just the ability to sustain possession on the cycle when you're down down low playing along the boards, but to be able to come out of it 
with the puck and make a play. They need to see that from him. And, and I've always wondered if he could be the sort of net front presence that they need, particularly on the power play. I think that's one of the biggest things mm-hmm. that's lacking on this team that's is they don't, have, they don't have skilled net front presence. And I asked the question to Mac, and I think he misunderstood me yesterday because we were also talking about Schmaltz, how much they missed Nick Schmaltz on the half wall because – even though it was a small sample size, when he was in the lineup, their power play was at 20%. Yeah. So he made a difference. How much more of a difference does it make if you have one of those skilled guys in front of the net, just you know, able to take the beating and with good hands to be able to finish? I thought that Christian Fisher could be that guy. Uh, maybe he still can be, but yeah, the, the end of the season for him was really tough to watch. I would say, and I'm sure we're going to get to Jacob Chickren in a minute, but I, I, to me, Fisher and Keller were the two biggest disappointments this season. And you're not expecting as much from Fisher as you are from Keller. But Jamie kind of hit it right there when he said 20 goal score. Like, I, I kind of thought, and, and Christian Fisher's 21, Keller's 20. But yeah. when, I, when I look at Fisher, I think of a guy that, especially last year, the way he played, I'm kind of expecting like 19 goals, maybe 10 assists, not a ton of points, but he gets all of his goals. And he says this he gets all of his goals from three feet in or, or closer. He just wasn't real present the second half of the season this mm-hmm. year. It is kind of remarkable. I mean, think about the two players I just rattled off and Chikrin. He got nothing from Keller in the second half, very little from Fisher, and Chikrin was a healthy scratch a lot, and they got better in the second half. Yeah. Who would have thought that? And, and one other player would, I want to touch on had the worst season of his career, could have arguably been in the conversation for Coyotes MVP last year, and that was Derek Stepan. Yeah. Uh, at 35 points from him this year. I mean, lowest goal total of his career, yep. lowest point total of his career. And I mean, even he's that, twenty. He's only twenty-eight. I mean, he's got a lot of miles on the body. Too. That was but, before the injury yeah. too, because he did play through a torn yeah. MCL late in the season. Yes. But yeah, he wasn't, missed ten games, and he yeah, wasn't and that productive early on. Now he was, he was really effective in a shutdown role, and a lot of the Coyotes really played well defensively. Max said that as well, and, and this doesn't necessarily apply to uh, Derek Stepan, who already knew how to play the right way. But when you're playing, when you're asking so many guys to play the right way. They're on the defensive side of the puck a lot, so it can take away from offense until you learn. But with Stepan in particular, yeah, they need more offense from yeah. him. And he's one of the guys that John Chica talked about yesterday. He should be a 20-plus goal scorer. Yes. He has been, and he wasn't this year. Yeah, uh, you sort of touched on what I was going to ask you right there. It's one thing to say guys like Fisher and Keller didn't produce this year, but when you have a guy like Derek Stepan that is pretty consistently right around the same point total every year and put up those points with the Coyotes the previous year, you look up and down, a lot of guys did not produce even to the level offensively that you would expect. How much of mm-hmm. that is the system? How much offense are you sacrificing mm-hmm. ultimately to win games? Question. I mean, they won games by playing that yeah. system. But I mean, we did see a guy like Stepan succeed in that system last year. That's the And thing. he was incredibly snake-bitten, if you remember, in the first month of the year. Yeah, How many was. posts did he hit in the first like five games of the uh, year? A lot. I mean, remember, I, I mean, they got shut out three of the first four games yeah. this year. And now, again, even if you add three, four goals to his total, it doesn't change that his season was still fairly disappointing but you know there's many guys on this team I look at that I can make arguments that uh, they might regress as to the amount of guys on this team they go well they left points on the table based on what we think their talent level or their past career was and Grab- so, Grabner's a big one because he did have 27 goals each of the prior two years and he missed literally half of yeah. this season so that's yeah it's 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 very true there's a lot of guys you can look at and say okay they had career years but there's just as many other guys you can say well offensively they actually underachieved so Derek Stepan shot 7.7% this year yeah that's which true. is low that's that should come back up Clayton Keller shot 7% this year so and some of that you know is where where his shots are coming from he needs to be more aggressive get to the net more i think but I, but there's some yeah there's some signs there that these guys could take it up a notch and if Jason Demers can stay healthy 
just Oliver Ekman Larson's a different player when mm-hmm. he is not he really petrified is. that the second he steps up in the zone, he's going to get beat the other that's, way. That's the thing that we don't talk a lot about with the way Oliver played to close out the season. Like, okay, he actually had his... That pairing so works good. really, he really strong. so good down the stretch. With Keller going to the net, did I imagine it? He went to the net a lot more as a rookie, didn't he? Felt like it. It did. And he's never going to be a guy that is physical or going to fight for the puck or, or, or ever really be a I presence. Get that, but, but he was... It just felt like he was smarter and quicker. Just like if there was a rebound, he'd get in there and hit it and get out of there. It's one of those things where we've talked about players like that. That's okay when you're at 65, 70, 75 points. It's not okay at 47 points and 14 and goals. To me, it's that's not even the, that's the difference. It, it, to, it, it's not even the point total. I mean, that's down, but it's when it, it's yeah. when in big games he's not. Yeah. You don't notice that he's on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to get into listener questions here? Or do you have anything else just in general with the Coyotes? Just a few things to touch on. I, I, Talked to John Chica for a while yesterday. It's interesting how they're looking at Darcy Camper. The, I asked him if they think about extending him because he has one year left. And it, it's something that they're at least going to discuss both internally and potentially with his agent. You know, you at, at, uh, on the one hand, you, you look at Darcy's season, you say, OK, he, he had a spectacular year. But is it a large enough sample size to say he's going to carry it over and do the same thing again next season? On the flip side, if you let it get too far down the road and, and he has a bigger sample size and keeps performing, then then the price goes up as well. So it's, it's an interesting thing that they're going to weigh on that front. And then the other thing is the free agents, I guess, because everybody wonders about these um, Richard Ponick won't be back. I think we all knew that anyway, but he won't be back. Kelsey uh, scratched the last game when you're going into yeah. When, when the game at that point was the one Coyotes game didn't matter is kind of an indicator. Yep, Calvin Pickard obviously will not be back, and then Mario Kempe. We'll see if if the price is right. If he doesn't get an offer from someone else, yeah. I mean he he's not a guy who finishes, but he's got great speed. He's very responsible. Guys love him, so he he might be a guy that you could have as a depth guy, is even like a a thirteenth forward, something like that, yeah. or a guy who. You know, spots in the lineup. He he could be helpful for you. That's that's what I would say on the UFAs. The RFAs, I, I expect them to all to be qualified. Nick Cousins will be interesting. He, he has arbitration rights, mm-hmm. and I don't know what that's going to look like with him. If that price gets too high, they might have to walk away from Nick Cousins. But we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, the goaltending situation is interesting because if you think of the Dar- the Darcy Kemper that was in Minnesota was a very much a middle of the road backup. He played really well in L.A. before the Toby Reader trade that brought him to Arizona. He's played well since he's been here. You've got four and a quarter locked up in Antiranta. How much money can you afford to lock up in goaltending? The last, basically, you've locked him up essentially at about a little over $6 million that you've invested in goaltending for last, last season and this coming season. He's not going to come back at $1.85 million. Darcy Kemper, that is. No. So how much money are you really willing to invest in goaltending when you are a cash-strapped team that needs goal scoring and you're going to have to spend money in that category? I guess it depends on how far away is Aiden Hill in your mind. And if you're a playoff team, can you rely on Aiden Hill Aiden playing? Aiden Hill's about in Seattle, in my mind. That's that's about but, how far away is. Was that like eighteen hundred miles? Are you willing? You have to look at this. Are you willing to spend probably true thirty to thirty-five games for your backup goaltender if you're feeling lucky? That Antiranta won't continue to have the injury history he has well, shown in the recent that's, past. That's the other thing to think about too, especially where the league has gone. It's that's, more demanding yeah. on goaltenders. Goalies can't about... play as many games as they used to. And and, and look at what a couple teams. Look at what the Islanders did with Leonard and Grice. Carolina yeah. too. Carolina with too. Yeah. Worse goalies than the Coyotes have. I would say both those teams. I mean, the yeah. Islanders got great goaltending, but yeah, they I did, would but... take the Coyotes duo over the Islanders. Absolutely, even. I would too. So that's that's all. That all plays into the equation here. I, I don't know how you approach that. There, there are a lot of people. I mean, look at the look at the history so far with Antiranta, who think he wears down. 
yeah. that he doesn't have the body type to to handle well, sixty games. Well, that's the question. You play even say Antiranta plays fifty games. Yep. And you expect to make a playoff run? How is he going to perform in game fifty-five, game sixty, see, game sixty-two? I, I hate the, and we're going to see how it plays out this year with some of these other teams. I hate going into the playoffs saying, "Hey, we've got two goalies." Like Calgary's doing two, because I, I just well, Calgary's think that, got zero goalies. Well, but the second you get into a trouble in a seven-game series, you got to answer all those questions. If you make a switch, do you lose the first goalie mentally? Whatever. I, I hate all that. But with the way the league is going, I do think you need to have two goalies. To succeed, unless you have like a true Carey Price, whoever uh, Andre Vasilevsky, Vazzy, as Craig calls him in the previous episode. But I, I, if you're the Coyotes, I mean, at least for next year, contracts aside, if I'm Rick Tockett, I'm saying, okay, Ronta starts the season, you know, and the second you lose, you know, he plays two or three games, and then Kemper comes in, and whichever one's hot, that's the one I'm riding. I don't go into the season with any expectation for how many games those guys are playing. I think Kemper has earned the right that if he goes out there and is on a winning streak in November, he just keeps going, you know, within reason. You don't have to run anybody into the ground because you have both of them, but I'm not going into next season with, okay, Ranta's going to play 55 and Kemper's going to play 35. Well, he's already said that. He's already said it's an open competition going into next season between those two guys. He he likes that it's competition. And they like each other. yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the other and side got of this. Paid too. Like that helps. There's all this talk that you have to have a defined number one goalie. And I just did a story on this. And there are some ex goaltenders who believe that. There are others who look at the situation in the NHL and say, "Yeah, I don't know. That might be changing." And and I think a lot of it comes back to the mental makeup of your goaltenders. If they get along, they push each other. They they help each other, and they they they're both emotionally strong. I don't see any reason why you can't have two guys splitting duties. We saw it with Mike Smith here. There's certain goalies that don't like to look over their shoulder at a hot backup goalie. John Chaika said outright, said that's why they traded Devin Dubnik. Yeah. Said it the other day. Yeah. Or maybe it was a week ago. I can't even remember when I wrote it. But it was, it was stunning to hear that. Stunning that some, to hear him say it. But we all Yeah, We did all know it. Yeah. Yeah. Glad so, we got a prospect in that deal. But, and, uh, and he doesn't think that's the case with Darcy Kemper. He doesn't worry about that at all with Kemper. No. Ronta, Ronta and Kemper are both... Yeah. Ronta loves the whole what is what's what, the temperature thing that they put up on the scoreboard. Ronta thinks it's like the greatest thing ever. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't think that I can't see Mike Smith being like, wow, yeah, the whole Devin Dubnik thing is outstanding when they were here. Mm-hmm. I, I want to throw some names at you real quick here before we get into the Western Conference uh, playoff preview. Okay. Connor Garland, what's his role next year with this team? Um, More I, of the same. I I would take the yeah. I I would not expect a, a increase in goals even over a, a significant period of time. Oh, we saw him taper off quite a bit. Yeah, as people got a read on him. A little yeah. bit of read of how defensive. I think he's an interesting player, but like I, I don't. When he plays hard, when he plays that style that that got him instant success, I think he's a guy who can contribute to your lineup because he impacts the game in more ways than simply producing points. Like third or fourth line, sure. Yeah, I think he's about six guy. He goes to the net. He does. For a very small net. guy. Yeah. Exactly. Hello, Clayton Keller. Take a, take some you lessons. Can do it. Yeah, and he got beat up too. This he year. did he get a beat puck up to the face and but kept that's, going. You want to stay in the NHL? That's what you got to do. If you ask him too, he will instantly give you the answer of I know my role. Yeah, that's that's the attitude you have to have, whether yes. you, whatever your size is. Uh, Barrett Hayton, don't know yet. I don't know how to read that one yet. I, we need to see him, right? We need to yeah. see him in camp. Yeah, to yeah, get a feel for whether he's ready this year or if it needs if he needs one more year. But he could be ready, and that's ahead of the be. curve. He it, could be. At least I guess he's a first round pick who spent an extra year. It's it's sort of standard in the NHL now that a guy can make that leap. I mean, I know he was a little bit younger, but at this yeah. point in his age. We see that a lot in the NHL now, and just he's one year in. He's, man, he just—he. I don't know how it translates yet. Again, yeah. I don't know how we'll, it translates we'll to. to this level. But he's—he's he's such a responsible player. Yeah. When you watch the way he plays, he's such a responsible player. He could 
slot lower in the lineup, play less minutes as he learns the game and then work his way up. They could do it that way. Tim Bernhardt, who used to be their director of scouting, said that very thing about him when they drafted him. He's a guy who could be in the NHL earlier because he plays such a complete game. You could drop him in the lineup to start and then let him progress. Yeah, and we'll, we'll see. Well, I mean, we've, we've talked about this a lot where you wish he could play in the AHL. Next year, yeah, and it's it's not possible. So it's even talking about it anymore. Hate we can't. It I would matter. like a list, though. I would like the league to compile a list of the players whose careers they're stunting the development of each year. Because <laughs> I know it's not just. But I mean, it certainly hurt Strom, and it could potentially put Barrett Hayton on hold for a yeah. year. I mean, it, it, it put, has it nothing put, left to prove. It put Max Domi on hold. Yeah, and that's what I'm Max saying. Max Domi would have been the NHL player. We just know the Coyotes. I'm sure there are probably five or six players around the league every year. It's like, yeah, this guy's ready for professional hockey, and he has to go back to he junior. He has to go and put up 130 points in the queue or something. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. Until he, he plays against NHL competition, like I'm really interested in the training camp and the preseason games, and if they give him a nine-game trial or whatever. Like Just playing in that sort of environment, see, does he still flash with all of those, with NHL talent around him? Or does it look like, uh, you know what, he's just like a half step away from being ready? Uh, they kept him around. I mean, he didn't play last year, but they kept him around with the team at the start of the season. Jacob Chikrin, healthy scratch last game. That one I found odd because you didn't have to win that last game. I mean, I don't think that it's – I don't think it ultimately matters. But that's a weird message to send your guy heading into the offseason. It is, but I also wondered if that was a nod to your veterans to say thanks and – you know, who knows what's going to happen in the offseason with the lower part of the blue line if yeah. one of those guys in particular is going to be back. So, well, I hope somebody told that to Chikrin if that's the case. Yeah, you hope the yeah. communication is there. I don't I don't worry about Jacob Chikrin's mental makeup, though. I don't, I don't, I don't think this either. kind of stuff flaps him. He's, and he's, he's so young. He, yeah, but he's also he's got he, he understands he's got he's a tough kid, yes. tough minded kid. Also, he can finally maybe have an offseason where he's not in pain. Well, like, let's see what happens with full off season. We of. never know. He did tell me earlier in the season that, you know, the type of with, with that graph that you yeah. have with the ACL, it takes a full year for it to feel right, and he still has times where the tendonitis is really bad in it. So I'm sure that was flaring up at times. Yeah. It just it's hard to know how much that impacted his game. That's I wanted to go there too with this, and not even just for Chikrin, but like you talk about Galchenyuk, who's healthy now, but he really wasn't at the start of the season. I think we underestimate how important it is for most of this team is going into the offseason healthy so they can actually train in the offseason. A lot of them are staying here, it sounds like, in 110-degree yeah. weather. But yeah, and it doesn't sound great. like anyone's having a procedure. At least that was the talk yesterday, which is huge, right? You don't have that yeah. sort of rehab. Mm-hmm. You can actually have a, a, an offseason to get ready for the season. A yes, lot of these guys yeah. last year were just recovering. Yeah, uh, Jack Hughes. Since the draft lottery is um, future I, Colorado I, Avalanche. Yeah, I do not think he'll be a Coyote. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's save the listener questions till the end, since we just did Coyotes for like twenty five minutes. Coyotes, yes, the Coyotes, and getting to the. Uh, I'm proud to be part of the Coyotes. So, if you didn't listen to episode one ninety four, you're missing the Eastern Conference, but it's still out there because of the internet. We listen are, to it now. Yeah, right now again as we're doing this show. I won't um, demand that of you. you I'll won't. just trust that our listeners will go to it. Craig taking the side of the listeners mm-hmm. for the first time ever. Do you want to talk about any of the other news newsy things before we get into the? Go ahead. Well, yeah. uh, so I guess the two two big pieces of information uh, that broke between our recording the two podcasts looks like Bruce Boudreaux is going to be back in Minnesota behind the bench. Yes. All reporters rejoice. Um, <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts. I don't. I think Minnesota is reporters rejoicing. No, no, as long as Boudreaux lasts. Yeah, which which who knows? Uh, we love his. I, I like Boudreaux a lot on a personal Boudreaux. level. I think love he's Boudreaux. a pretty good coach too. I just think that team is bad and it's not going to get any better. <laughs> which is weird because they do have a lot of young talent, but. 
they missed the playoffs this year for the first time in what seven years, six yeah. years. I just think that they're just stuck yeah. making some changes up top. They're they're stuck at the quagmire of mediocrity. Mm. Like that's where they are. They're that just, would be the name of this podcast. Yeah. Quagmire of mediocrity. Yeah. I like it. Uh, really, could we could rename our entire podcast that quagmire of mediocrity? Q O M. And I think they're going to stick there for the next couple of years, where maybe they bounce in and out of the last wild card spot. No, but like, they're just, just needs to not be in the playoffs for a couple of years. Yeah, but they're going to pick like 14th every year. How do you feel about relegation? <laughs> not <laughs> not would, before Buffalo. That would be Ottawa, yeah. Or Buffalo. Just relegate. Or Edmonton. Just do it now. But keep McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like, put them back into the player pool. I don't want anybody mentioning Edmonton on podcasts we do during the day of the draft lottery. Okay? Just okay. nobody even say Edmonton's name. Uh, and the other one is the NHL suspended uh, Slava Voinov for the entire 2019-2020 season. Good. Don't miss him. Uh, playoffs. The way we're going to do this is we're going to do just a quick overview, a couple questions I have for these two of, of just the Western Conference in general. Then we're going series by series. And then at the end, we'll get to listener questions. Most of the ones we have left for this episode are Coyotes related. So in the Western Conference, gentlemen, let's start with the veto power. If you could take one team out of these playoffs in the West... Who would it be? Who was it in the East? For me, it was Washington. For Craig, it was... I said Columbus. Craig said Pittsburgh because he's I a did, jerk. Because I'm hurtful. Yeah, you are hurtful. The, the, the Western one's easy for me. <laughs> Dallas. Dallas. Dallas, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should have all said it at the same time. <laughs> By the way, go to Jesse Granger's uh, Twitter feed right now, dear listeners, and watch the watch Mark andre Fleury enter the ice for practice. It's great. I'm trying to do it right now, but I'm doing it on <laughs> I'm this. I'm talking to our listeners. We oh. have a podcast to record here. I was listening. Might want to focus. Okay. Okay, sorry. All right. um, most exciting player in the Western Conference playoffs? Hmm. You want to go first, Jamie? I think it's Johnny Gaudreau. Ooh. I think I, I'm, ready for a Johnny, I'm ready for a Johnny Hockey playoff party. I have a different take. I have Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, I love him too. too. I didn't want to agree with that whole Calgary Colorado series is going to be just fun. I love that series. I really. I don't think it's going to be long, but I think it'll be fun. I I I think it could be long. We'll get to that. But yeah, for me, it's Nathan McKinnon too. Um, Not not just because of the points. I mean, he is just fun to watch, even when he's not Mm -hmm. scoring. He just gets up and down the ice. Uh, Goalie situation you trust the most in the Western Conference? This one was tougher for me. Hmm. The East, I thought was pretty easy. So I, I'd have an answer, but he's a little banged up right now, so I'm not going to pick Flurry in Vegas. Mm. Okay. Well, he might be even more banged up after that video we just watched. <laughs> By the way, Gaudreau was the 104th overall pick in the 2011 draft, so every team could have had him like three times. Is Flurry your pick or not? Just because I'm... Do you have an answer or should I go? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Nashville. Me too. Yeah. So I really trust oh, it because Dallas... <laughs> that'll do it. That's, yeah. Uh... How about the goalie situation you trust the least? Uh, I think we're Calgary? going to be unanimous here. <laughs> wow, we're across the board. On all- so, to be fi- honorable mention, San Jose. Yeah. A minute. I want to pick San Jose. I'm having a hard time picking them first series. Jones, yep. mm-hmm. Western Conference. Ooh. I'll Peter, go with Gerard. Peter Laviolette with Gerard Gallant second. Yeah, I'm going Laviolette as well. Okay. All right. We're going to go series by series. Let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's just get this one out of the way. Nashville-Dallas. Season series, Nashville won three of the five meetings. I believe they each scored a total of 14 goals in those five Woo! games. This is going to be must-see. Oh, this yeah. is the new skip. Is this on the channel? It's on YouTube, and it's still photos. <laughs> oh. <laughs> awesome. This is you the, can't uh, tell no, the difference. It's, it's <laughs> it'll just feel like still photos. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Well, my top storyline is will anyone score? Yes, so is mine. <laughs> See? Yeah. 
Uh, that's not fair. I went slightly down. I just went, did Nashville finally figure it out? That slash get hot at the right time. Mine too. But because they did. They, they I, I've hot been at the end of the season. crapping on them for what feels like four months now of like, yeah. you're good but not good enough. I had them in the cup hot. final, so I'm kind of happy that they figured it out at the end here. Preseason you did. Do you still have them in the cup final? And we're I, not going I that far. I feel like there. I have to stick with it. So, um, they and, did. In the, and in the West, they're as good a choice as anyone. Yeah. I don't remember either conference being this wide open in the last... Where you could pick seven of the eight teams in this conference and not be surprised if they made it to the cup final. Yeah. The only one we Dallas. all eliminate is Dallas. Dallas, yeah. That, seriously, I wouldn't be shocked if Colorado went to the Stanley not Cup. At all. I mean, they're not my pick. And but they're they as hot as any team in the league right now. And they have so much talent at the top. Uh, X-Factor in the series, it was tough. I'm going to go with Nick Benino just because I've seen what he can do in the mm. playoffs and when all the games are going to be uh, one to half. Penguins. Just, oh, um, they miss him so, so much. I, I, I miss him so much. Sad. I think that's uh, the other. The other thing with Nashville, Kyle Turris is on Nashville, and I haven't. Uh, seen so, one. so they say. <laughs> I, I hear Kyle Turris is playing in the NHL, but I mean, if he does anything, he's an X factor, I guess. Uh, I went. I went the other way. I went Matt Zuccarello because if Dallas has any chance at all, they need somebody that's not Jamie Ben or Tyler Sagan oh. to put the puck or Alex Vagilov to put the puck in the back of the net. And we haven't seen much of Zuccarello in Dallas because of the injury he suffered almost instantly after yeah. getting there. Uh, but he does have three points in those two games. If he can get hot, they have a chance to make the series like go to six games. Well, I went with Jamie Ben because I haven't seen Jamie Ben in a long time, mm-hmm. at least not the Jamie Ben that I used to know. He had 53 points this year. That was a 26 point drop off of last season. This is a guy who. Was over 80 points per season, including that year we talked about yeah, earlier on the previous podcast yeah. 20 minutes ago. It all builds on itself. This yeah. is like one big movie. Jamie Benn has had a bad year. I, I might even call it a... Do you have two words that the, would describe well, it? Yeah, I can't say them on the air, but the uh, it's HS. <laughs> somebody else will, though. <laughs> right. Hockey system. Right. Somebody else sure. within the organization yeah. might say it. Somebody will call him out. Jamie Benn has had a good year. If he re-emerges if he becomes the Jamie Benn okay Dallas might find some scoring which is the thing they need most <laughs> desperately they I mean they could win the series and then I would be really down on whoever they play in the second round of the playoffs they would be my least favorite series there I this this is the one this this is the this skip. is the bad like this is when all the there are two games playing simultaneously and you have to choose yeah. always pick the not national Dallas I, game. I do I want to go over that at the very end of this episode of like which which of the two series you have to see and which the, we've already established the two you don't need to watch are this one and at least for me Carolina Washington no, I think that's gonna be a good series you and I disagree on that uh, we disagree on everything Victor Arvidsson had thirty four goals this year he did that's that's a quiet thirty four goals good. all right picks. I'm going to go Nashville in six. Did you guys all give me your X-Factors? You did, right? You did. Jamie, Ben, and... Yeah, yeah. Preds in six. Preds in six. Preds in six. Okay. Uh, it'll... Eventually it, it, It'll... Yeah, like, like it, it's... This is going to be boring, and I... Love yes, that. it'll eventually end. Yeah. <laughs> That's my first <laughs> like. <laughs> Luke's preview for Dallas-Nashville. It will eventually end. I <laughs> feel like well, it like lasted it. longer That's than it should have. Look, I love the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm excited for tomorrow and the ensuing two months. Just not this series. That's the series that, it, to me, it's the seventh best of the eight. On the plus side for these two teams, it's a short flight. I was noticing that. Well, a lot of these flights are uh, they're, they're a good situation for yeah. the teams in the first round. Most of these situations. Possibly. Could have been far worse for a lot of them. Maybe one of the, the best series to cover if you're a reporter, though. Hanging out in Dallas and Nashville yeah. for... I'm not a huge Dallas fan per se, but Nashville, yeah, Nashville is a fun city. Vegas, San Jose would be good too. As would you know, Toronto, Boston. 
uh this series i love and i have this is the toughest one for me to pick eh, one of the two winnipeg st louis winnipeg won three of the four but st louis wasn't the same team for half of yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. nothing happened the first month and half of the season for st louis counts no um the top storyline for me i mean i had the jets in the stanley cup at the start of the year losing to tampa they could be done in the first round crazy isn't Mm -hmm. it yeah do you remember when we were talking about the canadian options to end the cup drought all yeah. the, the teams in Canada that could end it. And now we're talking about Winnipeg being one of the coldest teams in the playoffs, Calgary's goaltending situation being disaster, and Toronto's blue line being a disaster. Yeah, who's the Canadian team you trust the most now? Winnipeg. Still? Mm-hmm. Probably. Uh, I, don't I don't know. For, Maybe yeah. Calgary, though. Maybe Winnipeg Calgary. Calgary. It's not they... Toronto right now. It's not yes, Toronto it's because not they Toronto. would have to go through Boston oh, and path Tampa. Is brutal, yeah. And Washington, probably. That's I mean, I like Calgary's path, path but... yeah. I don't know. I, I don't feel good about any of those picks. I no. don't think any of those teams are winning the cup. Uh, Winnipeg is, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough. This is not a good time to play St. Louis. What were your guys' no. uh, storylines well, for mine's this? Mine's always, can the Blues ride the rookie to the championship? Like, look, if there's one, if there's one way that you, can, that you can make a run that people don't expect, it's getting a really hot goaltender. And they've had a really hot goaltender. But this is kind of a little bit of a little pressure situation for the young guy. Yeah, never been in it before, but sometimes rookie goalies are maybe almost too stupid to yeah. know. You don't know. You don't know what the, you don't know that you have expectations yet, and that's what I'm answer. looking at too. I mean, St. Louis is so hot right now. They've been one of the mm-hmm. best teams for a good stretch here. They they believe in their coach. That's the other thing. There's yeah. this is another guy yeah. who, when we talk about Jack Adams, I don't even know if he's going to be a finalist the way things are going this year. But he deserves a lot of credit for what they've done. Granted, he didn't do it over a full season. I get that argument, but but still, he started off in a hole, like yeah, you, a you, big hole. <laughs> you, you don't. He just sort of zero. Like I mean, I think so. I, this is also another one of those series where one team has all of the pressure. Yeah, and also St. Louis is on my list of teams that couldn't hold a two nothing lead against Colorado in the final week and a half of the season. <laughs> so you're so, angry with them, yeah, a little bit. Um, well, focus instead on a loss to the Kings, a loss to Edmonton, and an o three and one road trip. No, I don't need to focus on that anymore. Colorado won eight zero and two in their yeah, final ten. Colorado the took Coyotes it. Coyotes did not. They did. That's took where the playoffs were decided. Been. Colorado earned it. The Coyotes did not. The X factor in this series for me is a guy that I thought should have been a Rookie of the Year finalist last year and quietly put up 34 more goals this year, Kyle Connor. Yeah, he's, he's a really good player. He's the other guy. That's what I was trying to think yes. of in the last pocket. The second most underrated player in the NHL. Mm-hmm. What, 65 goals in his first two years in the league? And no I one would, talks about him. 80% of hockey fans don't even know what team he's on. He looked really good in that game against the Coyotes. Did you, I, he know, I noticed him on the ice He doesn't look time. like a second-year player. There was no sophomore slump. He actually got better. Yeah, And he should have been a finalist last year. I don't know who you bump out, but he should have been a finalist. Uh, Patrick Laine, though, could also be an X-factor because all his goals came in like a three-week span earlier this year. Yeah, he, he could score, score five, six goals in a series and just completely take it over. Yeah. Speaking of the athletic player poll, did you happen to notice who a lot of people voted for as the most overrated player in the league? It was Patrick Laine. It would have been really weird if you said somebody else after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was... Uh, uh, I think that's yeah. a little little recency bias on that, but that's... Yeah, I mean, he doesn't play defense. At, yeah, they look at the other parts. Yes, yeah, so the other parts of his game are not there, but I but, expect him to immediately walk right back into 40-plus goals next year. So I'm at that point... How's this, though, for... I mean, this is... You guys... What, he had nine goals after mm-hmm. November 29th? Yeah, no, he did not have a good year. That's crazy. Push but him off I, his spots. But I'm also not going Push to... Push him off his spots. Yeah, but I'm also not going to say that he's done. 
No, because he had one one off he, year. He has a great shot. Yes, but that's why shot. I'm saying he could be. I mean, he's not my X factor, but he could be because what could, Jamie just he said, could take he could, over. He could win two games. He by can Ovechkin a series. He yeah. absolutely could. By X factor. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Why'd your voice just? Glad change? you asked. Hmm. I just wanted to get your attention. Okay. <laughs> the health of Dustin Bufflin and Josh Morrissey mm, stole mine. Dustin Bufflin walked by me in the hallway the other day. He's a large man. He's a very he large is. man. He would really look good in a Blackhawks sweater he, he playing would. wing. Mm. Mm. I wonder net what happened there. Speaking of skilled net front, he was one of those guys. Yeah. Where's the bell? <laughs> Didn't you guys have him? Thanks, Stan. <laughs> <laughs> Not Stan Cup, Stan Bowman. Okay. Uh, yeah, I agree with Craig. My X Factor was Josh Morrissey. Uh, this the, the Jets are a completely different team with Morrissey and Bufflin in the lineup. They were under 500, but those guys were hurt. They were well above 500 with them in. They defend a whole lot better. And again, at their peak, Winnipeg can play all three facets, offense, defense, and goaltending, at an elite level. We haven't seen it in a month and a half, but they can do it now that they're finally getting healthy. They're both going to play in right. game one. And that's, that's why it's so hard to judge. Yeah. Uh, Winnipeg wasn't playing well, but, well, these guys were out of the lineup. So Two big defensive important. pieces. Yes, yes. Picks? I'm going Winnipeg in seven. Same. Yeah, me too. Ugh. I was real close to going to St. Louis, but I think my... Uh, you wanted to go to St. Louis? No. <laughs> Nobody's ever wanted to go to St. Louis. Hey, except you want to talk Goldschmidt. about the road trip? I've, I've been to St. Louis. As far as series road trip disasters go, <laughs> this one takes the cake. You don't want to hang out in St. Louis and Winnipeg? Or Winnipeg, yeah, yeah, yeah. East St. Louis, and I don't know if there is an East Winnipeg. Uh, I was going to go but... with St. Louis, okay. mm. but... I think my preseason Winnipeg pick influenced me at least for getting them out of the first round. Uh, I love this series too. Calgary and Colorado. Calgary swept the season series 3 0, but um, mm-hmm. this one could get real interesting in a hurry. Both of our exciting, most exciting players are in this series on opposing teams with Johnny Gaudreau yeah. and Nathan McKinnon. Top storyline? So, yeah. Who, who Calgary's goaltending can spoil a breakthrough season for mm-hmm. this franchise. Is Mika Kippersoff available? <laughs> Kipper. Uh, that was my top storyline. That's I would go. If, we kind of touched on this, but is Calgary Canada's best chance to end the cup drought? They would be if they got goaltending. Uh, and and have they announced? No, no. Okay. They're specifically not announcing. Yes, They're... it's Smith, isn't it? It it probably is. Otherwise, why did you get him? Yeah, yeah. I, I... I mean, this, but, but this again, why do you believe it? Because of 2012? Years. 2012 when he had that great playoff run? That's what you're basing this on? Come on? What are you going to base Come Riddick on? on? B. <laughs> B and B. B money. B money. <laughs> Seven years. What, what is B's name? Is that a callback to about 87 episodes ago? Come on. Is that People Brad Tree right now, I'm disappointed. Do we need a Natty Hattie glossary? We probably yeah, do, actually. Yeah. That's a Natty Hattie glossary. Like we can sell that with our cowbells and T-shirts <laughs> that we haven't made yet. Mm-hmm. I, I worked on a T-shirt design. It's uh, it's floating around out there on the internet. What happens, though, if Calgary... Like, let's let's say Toronto and I Winnipeg... I believe you. No. Well, okay. It doesn't matter if you believe me. I believe myself. Okay. If Toronto and Winnipeg bow out in the first or second oh, round or whatever, my goodness. is there suddenly more pressure on Calgary? Mm, I don't know. There's pressure on Calgary in general, but I don't think it's because of that. I don't think they Toronto feel, I don't, shoulders the Canada's Cup drought burden. I think there's burden. more made of Canada's last hope you know, in the media than exists in Canada itself. I don't think these various markets are 
turning their lonely eyes no. to Calgary and saying, <laughs> please carry the torch for us. In fact, I think many of them are actively rooting against them because so, there's still hatred between markets up there. I do think there's that more... That is underrated. The, the, <laughs> the inter-Canadian market hatred yes. is fantastic. I do think there's more pressure on the Eastern Conference Canadian teams, particularly Toronto and Montreal. I think those are the two teams that would feel that sort of pressure. Agreed. I don't, I don't think, think Montreal is going to come through this year. <laughs> not, not this year. But those would be the teams I think always yeah. kind of feel more of that pressure. We should point out, in, in fairness to Montreal, they finished ahead of Colorado, Dallas, and Vegas that all made the playoffs in the West. And we'll finish ahead of the Coyotes in the draft the lottery. Coyotes. Yes. <laughs> Montreal's going to pick Montreal's first. Montreal's my candidate for a step back next year, too. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with yes. that. Uh, this is the one series where I went with a goalie as the X Factor, but Philip Grubauer, if he plays ooh, the way he's ooh, been playing... He's been outstanding. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. No, I, I mean, I just... I, I think that... I think that Calgary is beatable. There's part of me that really wanted to pick either Colorado or Columbus to upset Calgary or Tampa in the first round, and I just can't pick against Tampa because on paper they should really steamroll everybody. Calgary is fun to watch, and they score a lot of goals, and I don't want to discount what they've done, but I do think they're beatable. So I want to ask this question because I've thought about this probably more than I should have. If you put a league average goaltender, league average starting goaltender on Calgary that's uninjured. Okay. How far would they go for you? Because to me, I'd probably have them in the cup final. Can you give me a name for league average? Like just, I, I mean, um, you know how in football it's Andy Dalton, league average quarterback? Uh, I'm trying to think of like, I'm thinking of all the top names. Let's say they put... Mm, I'm enjoying the silence and I'm going to extend it when I uh, edit the podcast. It's going to sound like Jamie was thinking <laughs> for 28 minutes. Uh, okay, let's just, I'll take it. Let's wrong. see if they put Tuka Rask. Okay. Above average, but yes. Yeah, but I'm talking about a starter. So, okay. like, we're talking about one of the 15 best goalies in the league. Okay. But like, not the top five. Um, they would... Casey DeSmith? <laughs> <laughs> Matt Murray over the last two months. They would be... Devin um, Dubnik. Uh, yeah, Devin Dubnik. Devin, du- Devin Dubnik. Okay. Darcy Kemper. Mm, Darcy Kemper. Kemper's been way above average. Crazy but like, above Kemper's going to win the Vezina. Uh, is he going to be a Vezina finalist and you're going to go? I think he should yeah. be, but I don't think he will be. He played 55 games. He played more than Ronta did last year. The guys that are being talked about, Ben Bishop played 46 games, and there are a lot of people anointing him. Ante Ranta played 47 games yeah. last year, had better numbers. And nobody wanted to get And nobody, he didn't finish in the top nine. Yeah. that it, it, I'm Okay, Vasilevsky should win the Vezina. I'm not going to be upset if Kemper doesn't win. He's not, he's not going to win. Right. But he should be top three. He should at least be top three. Or if he's not, then give me three goalies that played a lot more games than him and played a lot more than Ranta did last year. Because that's trash if Ben Bishop is a finalist yeah. and he played barely half the season. Ben Bishop was remarkable when he played, but longevity and durability has to yes. play Ronta into it. was better last year. Yeah. Yes. If it, right, if if Ben Bishop's lack of durability this season isn't a factor, why was it with Antiranta? No, I, I, I'm 100 percent with you. Um, to answer your question, I think Calgary is. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably pick. Them if to if the they cup. get hot goaltending, they're going to the cup. And, and Smith I, I, is I, capable of that. Maybe. Yeah. We saw him do it exactly one time. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Seven years ago. But he doesn't have to be, I mean, to be a hot goalie for Calgary this year just means... Jonathan Chichu has shown the potential to score 50 goals. <laughs> okay, but there's not nearly as much pressure on Smith in the sense that it's not like he can only give up one or two goals. I think he could probably give up, he could have a goals against of like 2.8 in these playoffs and go deep. Sure, but he could also lose his mind. That's going to happen, so whether like, he plays well or mind. not. <laughs> Like, so there's, there's just there's just a lot. Like, again, if they get just semi hot goaltending, this is a cup team, I think, because um, they do everything else so well. 
I know but you this, they could also be the worst goaltending in the league. Mark Giordano, Ve- uh, Norris. Yes, we should all agree pick. on that. Okay. Yes. Can I can I just point out something about Philip Grubar since he took over? Yeah. At the beginning of March, his save percentage in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, 14 games is nine fifty two. What's nine fifty two? He is red hot right now. My he was a starter like for a, Washington last year going into the playoffs. I was say, too. doesn't he have a handful of playoff games under his belt, too? Yeah. Or did I just dream that? People people forget that he started game one for the Capitals last year. Yeah, which was very, very strange. It was everybody odd. remembers. He was supposed to be, or I remember being in Vegas with uh, Jamie for the expansion draft. I at least I thought, couldn't believe Vegas didn't take him. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was, it was going to be Flurry and Grubauer. And what did they end up doing? Flurry, Pickard? Um, well, Malcolm. They did Malcolm Subban. Yeah, and they, and the reason they didn't take Grubauer is to get Nate Schmidt. So yeah. I mean, they came out of it fine. Obviously, Vegas is fine, but uh, this is what I'm saying is this shouldn't be a shock that he's good. Those numbers that Craig just read are well, yeah, absurd. The, yeah, they're not and they're not sustainable, but they can be sustainable in a seven game series. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that's over, always even the, yeah. over a playoff run. Yeah. We've seen goalies do it. Did you guys give an X factor? No, or was I just no. We listening? got off on a tangent about goaltending. Okay, uh, my X factor is going to be you'll like this one, Luke. Derek Broussard. Don't tell me what I like. Derek Broussard. The Avs need secondary scoring desperately. <sighs> Uh, and before last season's whatever the heck that was with the Penguins last year, he was actually a pretty darn good playoff performer with the Rangers and the Senators. Very good. So if he can provide some scoring when that first line's not on the ice, Colorado can keep up. My theory with Broussard on Pittsburgh is that he looks too much like Chris Letang, and they saw each other, and it freaked each other out, and they didn't know what to do. And then they bowed out to Washington in a series they should have won if Matt Murray could stop a shot from the blue line. Where were we? <laughs> X-Factor, and Jamie's touched on mine. My greater one was secondary scoring for Colorado because Grubar is red hot right now. We know about their top line. But the other thing that has been sustaining Colorado over this run where they went 8-0-2 in their last 10 games is the fact that they were getting secondary scoring. And it wasn't just coming from one guy. Obviously, you can't just have it coming from one guy. They were getting contributions from their lineup. And that's – I mean, those are the ingredients you talk about. They have the high-end skill. If you're getting the goaltending and you're getting the secondary scoring – you got a shot against anyone in the playoffs. Yeah. Miko Rantanen, he's looks okay. like he's going to play. Yeah, okay. They need him. Yeah, yes, they in do. In a big way, he's huge. He's a pretty good player. What about picks here? I'm going to go. Uh, I, I say the Flames are everything the Avalanche aspire to be. Ooh, all right. So it's like this a, is what the Avalanche are looking at. Mentor mentee series. <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have Flames in six. I got the Flames in seven. Yeah, I have and the I Flames in seven too. Time. I, I, you know, I, I'm not a betting man, but. I talked to some people who were, and they're thinking about putting money on Colorado because there could be money made on this series. If, if I don't know what the odds are, but if they're like crazy odds I'll, against, I'll look it up. I, I they're clear, I they're, they're really definitely the underdogs. Pick Colorado. Well, they, I mean, if they're like heavy underdogs, I, I feel like yeah. not be shocked at that. all if Colorado wins this series. And then that just blows the West wide oh, open if it Colorado does, wins and, that and, series and Canada too. And Colorado's a fun team. Imagine to watch. if all three Canadian teams bow out in the first you round. You have to sing No Canada in two weeks. I, if I that would happens. sing it actually. Okay. I might come up with new lyrics. What? Okay. Yeah. Uh, even better. Now I'm just or just a better version because I didn't bring it that day. I don't know if they could be any better than that. I moment. think I drank dairy before I came in and it affected my voice. <laughs> just a told, gallon of milk. Told that's not a way to go. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, uh, before we move on, I'm trying to navigate uh, this. Just give me another oh. 20 minute pause. You guys alter no, my voice move, too. Do we have that software? Yeah, no? it, okay. it sounded a lot like um, Ariana Grande. It's, it's funny, the same name came to my mind. That's, well, you must have heard it. crazy. Now you can move on, because the site's not loading well. Okay. Oh, are you on NHL.com? <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. uh, Vegas-San Jose. Wait, before we, no, I found it now. Oh, good. Let's just <laughs> make all this momentum. Like, right at time. Uh, the Avalanche are plus 170. That means anything. So 1.7 one. means nothing to, one. to me, so explain that to me. 1.7. So you would win $17 for every $10 you would bet. Uh. 
That's not bad. It's not bad, but I've, not if, if it was going to be like plus 300 or something. No. Okay, so the only odds above 2-1. to one. Yeah, who's the biggest underdog in the, in the first round? Uh, the Blue Jackets are 3-1. to one. They're 3-1? to one? So plus 300. Vegas knows its stuff. So, so just, just, we'll, we'll go through just because we're Vegas here. Vegas knows its stuff. So yeah, so Blue Jackets... So Jamie's wrong. <laughs> we didn't need to go down this path to so, prove yeah, that. So Blue Jackets 3-1. to would be plus 300. Lightning minus 400. Hurric- uh, Capitals are favored, minus 155. Hurricanes, plus 135. Wait, what? So Colorado's a bigger underdog than Carolina in the first round? Yes. <laughs> As wow. they should be. Well, um, no, false. Carolina has no chance in that uh, series. So like, Maple Ma- Leafs, plus 140. Bruins, minus 160. The thing, though, Carolina had 99 points. Cool. They had 99 Carolina's points. Carolina's had an entire conference with... Playoff teams at 100 yeah. points yeah. or better. That is just was crazy. Luke hates Raleigh. Uh, would, would Washington, did they have uh, 99 points or more, too? Yes. Yeah. They had 104. There were only two teams that finished below 100 in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Carolina had 99. Columbus had 98. Yeah. That's crazy. It's, that yeah. would have been cool to have eight teams at it 100 points. It really would have been. Yeah, and it was possible. Very possible. I'll just run through all the underdogs to make it easy. Blue Jackets plus 300. Hurricanes plus 135. Maple Leafs plus 140. Islanders plus 125. Wow. Avalanche plus 170, Stars plus 160, Jets, even money, and there's no favorite in the Sharks Golden Knight series. Well, it's a good transition. Because Sharks Golden Knights, uh, Vegas was 2 1 1 against San Jose this year. Looking for the season series winner when you have to factor in overtime losses is the most frustrating. Both teams have a winning record against each other. (laughs) Yes, that happens. I guess they were two and two against each other. Yeah, there's a couple Uh, series where both teams have a winning record. Like, oh, that's that's adorable. Let's go with points. Here's my top storyline Is Vegas better this year than they were last year when they Mm, went to the Stanley Cup? I think they're deeper. I think think they're deeper. My storyline is Will playoff Martin Jones save us from 2018 19 regular season Martin Jones? They are two very different people. 826 save percentage this year, career, but his career uh, save percentage in the postseason, 926. 826. That's, that's... Yeah. Well, he was my X factor, so... Martin He's going to be their X goalie if he doesn't start <laughs> yeah. stopping yeah. bucks. My top storyline is Eric Carlson's return in health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, he can be, obviously, we know he can be a game changer. I really, I want to... Do you remember the, uh, the airmail pass in the playoffs when they went to the cup final, where he went over the defense? Yes, that was so good. Yeah. I've never seen anything That was like so that. good. I Before remember or since. him almost single-handedly beating the Penguins in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. Almost. And then Ottawa destroying their team to celebrate. Uh, Max Patchy ready. 22 goals this year. Patches. What, 40 points. Cute clown photo. <laughs> no, I don't need that. That, that goes in the night. He had a glossary, too. Last, last year, he, uh, he only had 37 points. But prior to that, 67, 64, 67, and 60. Routinely a 35-ish goal scorer, 30-assist guy. The only reason I bring him up is because he didn't really produce much during the regular season, but if he does in the playoffs, if any of those players that have kind of underachieved for Vegas produce in the playoffs, I still don't feel like they're playing with any pressure. Like when you watch Vegas play, no matter who they're playing, it always seems like Vegas is having fun and, and mm-hmm. the other team's like, oh, we got to win this game. And Vegas keeps winning. Uh, my X factor is going to be Gus Nyquist because he's going to get a lot of time in the top six. He has been abysmal. In his postseason career. Four goals, eight points in 35 games. Yeah. Averaging fewer than two shots on goal per playoff game. Hmm. If he's going to play on that second line and he's going to get 15, 17 minutes a night, he's going to have to be productive because Vegas has too much firepower, particularly in their top nine, If for San Jose to only be a one-and-a-half line team. Yeah. Yeah. 
anything else you want to say on the series? You just want to make picks. I mean, the home ice is going to be huge in the series, I think. We sort of touched on the angle with Flurry. If Flurry needs to stay healthy. Well, yeah. Obviously. But is playoff Flurry from when he was on the Penguins? Is that just a thing of the past? It is. We've everyone's yeah. forgotten about it now. He's not past that. Well, you'll, yeah, you'll never forget. Okay, but I mean, he was big for Pittsburgh when they won the Cup in 2009, mm-hmm. and then he was downright horrible for like four years in the playoffs. Just, it just it's in the water there. It's like Matt Murray, just in the water. Yeah, what happened to Matt Murray? They're just it's erratic. Their goaltending makes no sense in the postseason. We should never even look into it. Anything could happen. I've looked into it a lot. Anything can happen with Penguins goaltenders. Yeah. Here's here's my conundrum. Yeah, go ahead. I want to take San Jose to go to the Cup, but I'm going to take Vegas to win the series. That is, that is a conundrum. <laughs> it's going to be really tough for San Jose to go to the Cup after they get eliminated. It'd be really difficult. So you have Gold Knights in how much? Nine. Uh, I don't believe you can do that. I have Vegas in seven, with the caveat, or I guess the reasoning. Winning in San Jose in Game Seven. Yeah, I'm not so worried about that. Did they do it last year? They did. They did they win Game, game Six in San Jose last year? Maybe. I don't think Vegas is going back to the Cup, but I like the Mark Stone edition, and I like them, and I, I like them to at least win a playoff series. I do not like the Mark Stone edition, man. He's mm-hmm. a good player. He is. He's a good player, a two-way player. I hate that he a lot could, of the teams I want to be a Selkie candidate. Yeah. yeah, he's so good. Uh, Sidney Crosby, Selkie candidate. I this year I voted for him. Did you as the winner? Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. He's Mark Stone was also on my list. Though. Unbelievable defensive. Yeah, I agree. Um, and since he can't win any other awards anymore because he's secretly not yeah. eligible, he needs to win a Selkie. Uh, I, I have Vegas in seven as well. I, I have Vegas I, I, in six. Yeah. Oh, I, I think that their top six is better, objectively, than it was last year. Yeah. Uh, I Really, Flurry's injury is the only thing that's making me pause a little bit. Yeah, because Subban doesn't look ready yet. I mean, we saw and San Jose's really good. Like you, The margin isn't that great here, which is clearly is defined by Vegas' odds and us picking them to win in seven or six. There's not a huge margin here. But if there's a massive downgrade in net, flips it right back over. So San Jose goes out in the first round, and Eric Carlson departs. And maybe Pavelski. <laughs> wow, do you just blow it up at that point, I guess? You might have to. You like, might. Thornton's not getting any younger. No. He's not? No. Well, Surprisingly Pavelski. not. Pavelski's 34. Yeah, and might not even not be on the team. Uh, he will right. soon. Yeah. You, if you get, risk a big contract on him. There'll be that's a big risk. How about we just do this? Whoever wins the series gets Eric Carlson next year. Also, by the way, I, I, can Vegas get a? I, by the way, there are three Carlsons in this series. This is the Carlson series. This is yeah. William, we need Melker, John. Eric. That's the top storyline. It's also the only series with a Melker in it. It's true. So think about that. Uh, look, San Jose gets even if they go out, they get some Don't credit because we thought I, I moved past it instantly. two three years. <laughs> two three. We thought two three years ago that San Jose was. Window was closed, and they re- and they pried it back open. They did, so they get a lot of credit. Mm. But if they lose in the first round here, and they lose Pavelski, you lose Carlson. I just <laughs> Greg is what, what do you hold, at that implosion. point? What are you holding on for to be a wild card team? Yeah, like no, they still have good young players. Yeah, but eh. but their core, where's their core? It's gone. Well, according yeah. to you, it just it, it blew up. It blew up. It did blow up. Who are your? What are your two favorite series to watch? What are the ones you're looking forward to most? For me, it's Toronto, Boston, and Vegas, San Jose. That those would be my two. I, I'm looking forward to. I can't say I'm looking forward to Winnipeg. Winnipeg, St. Louis will be a, a really tight series, but be I don't good, think it'll yeah. be necessarily be super exciting hockey because it'll be good. Of the way not St. Louis plays. Yeah, I so lo- yeah, I'd agree with you with those two series. I love six of these series, though. I really do. Calgary, Colorado could that's, be a, a really that's going to be fun series yeah. too. 
Th- that's that's the casual, but that's the casual fan series of if you just if you have a friend that just only watches hockey during the postseason, have them watch Colorado Calgary. Yeah, it was, I, when we answered Ryan's question last uh, podcast, I'll just throw out there: Colorado would be a team, even though you're a Coyotes fan, you probably hate Colorado right now. That is a potentially real entertaining team that you could get behind if they go on a bit of a run. The problem with Colorado is they might win the draft lottery tonight, and then you know they're adding Jack Hughes, and they're going to be in the playoffs with the team they have, plus Hughes, for a long time. To me, the only series that I don't find compelling is Nashville-Dallas. Every other one I find compelling for different ways. I know you hate Carolina-Washington, you think it's going to suck, and you hate everybody who's ever lived in, in Charlotte or Raleigh or anywhere in North Carolina. But I'm the that's biggest Hurricanes a- fan in the world right now. I just don't like that matchup. I think that's going to be a fun matchup. I hope they win. Penguins, Islers, again, I am curious. You have that top-end talent on Pittsburgh versus just elite goaltending and defense? There's a lot of like clashing of styles in these mm-hmm. series. I really I, I like these playoffs more than I've liked the last few going into yeah. it. And Pittsburgh won two of those cups. So, I mean, the way it plays out obviously will influence the way I look back. But going into the playoffs, I'm genuinely excited about six of these series. Yeah, I'm not even convinced the Islanders' goaltending is elite. I think it may have been a product of the system no, this I, year. I, 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 I meant this year it's been elite. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I don't think long term, but yeah. I think this year it's yeah. been elite, and there's no reason to believe it won't necessarily continue. But will it be enough? I'm going to isolate the part where you said you don't think long term. All right. Questions from listeners. Okay. To so, us. As long as they're not your questions. No, they're not my questions. I already asked my question last episode. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see. Kevin writes in. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Since all the Coyotes can do can drop is one spot, what voodoo will the lottery pull to make us drop below the playoff teams? Ooh. <laughs> see, there it is. Well, technically, you're always going to be behind one You should read team. my story today on the draft lottery, Kevin. Should they read it before or after the draft lottery oh, takes place? Oh, I think place? both, because there's there's information for people who read it before and for people who read oh, it afterward. Okay. Unless, of course, the Coyotes jump up to the top three, as you're saying they're going okay. to do. Into number two. I'm not saying it's happening. So how, who are they taking at number two? Lou? Kako. Kako, yeah. Kako. And I'll be excited Kako. about that. Yeah. It'll be great. Just to be able to say it, right? Just to be, yeah, I'd love it for every broadcast. So, yeah, never mind. I'm just trying to speak that into existence because, as I pointed out last episode, when we talk about something on the podcast, the news changes that day. Yeah. Draft lottery is later today. So it there is. You go. The gist, Kevin, of my story is the Coyotes draft lottery luck sucks. Yes, it does. <laughs> why uh, Why is the NHL like hiding the draft lottery this year? I like that they're doing it the day before the playoffs. That's great. Why have they not published that date anywhere? Everybody I talked to is like, wait, the draft lottery is tonight? I think they did. It. They, it should be a big deal. Probably they publish it on NHL.com. They should be playing it up a little bit more, but you know, it's the NHL. marketing NHL. Go, Jamie. Yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it's typical. And they're ashamed that Edmonton is already. It's going to win again. Yeah, Edmonton and Buffalo both move into the top three. Who do you not want to win? For me, Edmonton Buffalo. and Buffalo. No, Buffalo specifically. I don't want Buffalo well, winning another lot. So, is there from a, a personal standpoint, Edmonton Buffalo? From if you are a Coyotes fan, I don't think you're thrilled about Ottawa winning the lottery. Right. No, Colorado I think that's bad. That's, that's really bad. You don't want Vancouver winning either, then. No, yeah, to play with Pedersen. Yeah. yeah, like those yeah. are the teams you those really are, want. Those to... are bad situations. I heard, uh, Elliot Friedman brought this up. I heard. I don't remember what what platform it was on, but he said he genuinely believes if Edmonton wins again, that they will look into changing the they process. Should. They would. They, they have, have to. done it already. They should have absolutely done it already. They should have done it before they got McDavid. So there's there's not a lot of win scenarios for Coyote fans here because imagine if he goes to L.A. or Anaheim, not going to be happy yeah. about that either. No, and I I'm. I know Hughes is is the guy that we've all been looking at for two years. I would be worried about Kako maybe even being a better player than Hughes down the line. Uh, Patrick. Hi, Patrick. 
Who would be? Jamie apparently is not greeting any more listeners. Must no, have a no. Relationship Jamie doesn't with care about anybody other than himself. Um, who? I I don't think I asked this one already. Who would be the most realistic upset? Dallas over Nashville seems likely, or maybe if goaltending stumbles, Colorado over Calgary. Well, I'd have to say Colorado over Calgary just because of the mm-hmm. the one versus eight. Okay. Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Why do Coyotes fans oh, still so want? Just don't like. Okay. No, it's a personal vendetta okay. against Patrick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was sorry, Patrick. Line a that wrote in. Sorry. Why do Coyotes fans still want an enforcer? <laughs> so uh, th- this actually good question. This actually generated some good conversation uh, in, in the mentions yesterday. It did, but it won't here on the podcast. Uh, no, it, it look. The, you don't need an enforcer ever, but particularly in More today's than not game, needing one, you don't want one. No, uh, there, there's no need. You need this team needs skill. <laughs> And yeah. why would you? Why would you want to bring? In I'll more take players skill over an enforcer any day. What are people, you need guys that stand up for you guys? Sure, that's important. It's important for your teammates to see, but that that happens already. Yeah. Just because they don't fight them doesn't mean they're not standing up. Yeah, I mean, Lawson there, Krause, I, I get there are occasions where you feel like somebody should come to a player's defense and they don't. Okay, that's fair to say. But yeah, I saw Lawson Krause do that plenty of times. Yeah. I saw other guys do it plenty of times. I think you just need a guy on your team or two or three that are at least a threat where the other team doesn't. They're not just going to take liberties with your players, but it doesn't mean you have a fight every other game. You don't, you don't need a guy out there that can only do that. You just need a guy that, if he has to, can. But you really don't ever want to go to that in, in today's game, especially in the playoffs. There's not really ever Kevin fighting Ball ever makes it to the NHL, he might be a guy who can do that. That's right? <laughs> very He's true. rather large. He's a nine foot four. Chris. Not really. No? Hi, Chris. No. Uh, Hi, somebody Chris. can fact check me. Hi, Chris. Why is Jamie whispering hi now? It's very disconcerting. Makes you wonder about his relationship with Chris. Well, it makes me wonder about a lot of things. Uh, It's crowded on the blue line for the Yotes with eight NHL-level guys and more on the way. Do you see them using one or more of them as a chip to get a winger who is under contract elsewhere? If they get a winger, is there still a role for Fisher? Uh, I guess there's two questions there. Um, I don't know if they have the caliber of extra defenseman that would net them a winger of any sort of value. And you'd have to package it with a pick or something. But I'm just thinking, it would, yeah. But is he trading, though? Yeah. Which of those guys? Well, I, I know what I'm getting. You're yes. trading Jacob Chikrin, but they're not. They're not. Well, I'm trading no. Jacob Chikrin. I want a bona fide 30-plus goal scorer. Right, and Jacob Chikrin's value could be a little diminished right now, right? I wouldn't trade him now. Yeah, no, no I don't. I don't, I, don't, you know, I don't think it's that diminished on the open Probably market, not. Though. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, it might be with the first year of the new deal coming up next. You know, I actually have a cap hit, but... Teams are so desperate for defense, though. True. Like, they, you only think if you went to Toronto and said, hey, we'll give you Jacob Chikrin for William Nylander, they would do it. That team would, yeah. Yeah. Huh? You only need one. I'm not sure. I'm still not sure i do that. I'm not saying I, I didn't want to do that six months ago. I still don't really think I want to do that now. If you add Despite a Despite how bad the end of the year was for Chikrin. Uh, if you had a winger, Fisher, what, what is his role at that point? I mean, he's, we established this earlier in the show. He's probably the one in most danger of getting bumped down or into like a 13th forward role, isn't he? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I also think he would be given the opportunity I, I, still. And yeah. then if it doesn't capitalize, right. then... Let's see what his summer looks like. Yeah. Is Jamie waving a plastic skeleton? I, yeah, he is waving he the plastic. Usually it's over here, actually. Yeah. But well, I got that. Apparently stole it from me. Uh, this is from Ken. Mm. Hi, Ken. Ready? Given the injuries declared, is it better Jamie long... Jamie doesn't like Ken either. Sure, yeah. <laughs> At least he put the skeleton. He's actually laughing over there. Ken I don't Campbell. Know why. He's laughing. Well, is that why you yeah. you thought it was Ken Campbell? Yeah. If it was Ken Campbell, it would be like, hey, guys, explain hockey to me. Uh, is it better long term that they miss the playoffs? Are the Coyotes more likely to add an impact player through free agency or via trade? I don't know. 
They're exploring that right We're now. We're nine hours in. They're exploring that right now. For, okay. for the first part of the question, given their point total, I think it's. I don't think it's necessarily better that they missed the playoffs. If they if they say the same amount of points, but they would have been the final wild yeah, card, still not get a great pick. Yeah, I, I, it still wouldn't. It wouldn't matter that much anyway. Yeah. If they had ten points or fifteen points fewer, yes, that would have been. Long term, that would have been better. Although, again, I, I think establishing that you could actually win games when they mattered somewhat was an important element for this team this year. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have. There's certain teams that benefits more. Even if you tell me they get swept in the first round, it would have benefited the Coyotes. Except as we have established on the show, they're going to pick second in the draft lottery now. So I guess it did benefit them. Only one of us has established that. Frank. Hi, Frank. Hello, Frank. What do you think the Coyotes? Does anyone call you Francis? Uh, he doesn't address that here. Okay. Mm. What do you think the Coyotes need to add? I have my own thoughts and would love to hear yours. Score, a scoring winger. We've talked about this. Scoring. I st- scoring. Don't scoring. take that tone with Frank. If they, if they can flip one, one... If you're talking about trading one of your eight defensemen, if you could make a lateral move and flip one for a right-handed defenseman in a miracle world where a team would actually do that for you, that'd be great. But it's not going to happen. Not getting rid of Alex Kolagoski's contract. No. Mm. Nope. And no way trading right-handed defensemen. Nope. How about no. you? I take a right-handed defenseman too, but scoring, scoring, yeah, scoring, scoring is the priority. Gotta add scoring this off season. Uh, Michael writes in. What did you think of uh, Vinny chopping at Dustin Bufflin in the season finale? Unwise. Yeah. <laughs> Don't poke the bear. Yeah. Vinny Anastros is considerably smaller than me, and Dustin Bufflin, as I already said, is considerably larger than me. Have you? Do you watch Game of Thrones? I do you know have who the mountain seen is. One episode. That's what I think of when I think of Dustin Bufflin. Do I the need mountain. to watch Game of Thrones before this, the uh, final season? Well, like, is it you worth it? Kind of wouldn't have a clue what's going on. If no, you but did. I mean, like, I watched the last episode of Lost when that was going on, and nothing before it. <laughs> it's a strange. That's strange viewing habits. For I me. understood. Nothing. Luke also reads the final few pages of books. <laughs> I did that in school a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, hold on, I'm trying to go through a million more of these. Holding, Stephen, or possibly Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Hello, Stephen or Stephen. Question for the next Natty Hattie, which is this one. Well, actually, well, next Natty Hattie was technically the last one. one so. The Coyotes need goals. and you know, He sent this in uh, four seconds ago. Uh, the Coyotes need I mean, goals put it out? and scoring. Well, you know, I, I need proof. It's, uh, the Coyotes need goals and scoring. That's obvious. So the question is, does Tockett's system create scoring chances or do players create them within the system? Thanks for everything all year, guys. That, feel, that felt like an abrupt ending. You thought there was going to be more to that. No, I'm sorry. What do you got? Read the question again. <laughs> Language of origin. Is it Tockett's system that creates scoring chances, or do players create them within the system? It's just like an existential question. Imagine <laughs> a really four-sided like triangle. Do you score goals that scores goal kind of thing. you? Yes. Um, <laughs> do scores goal <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yes. don't want to be gold. Both. Okay. Both. Uh, sure, they play a more defensive system, but you need players that will actively create, it's pretty, generate. Pretty similar system with the one yeah. they play in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, that leads they into score goals question. Because they have talent <laughs> up front. They have skill up front. And scores goal them. Yeah, scores goal them. Uh, Cheryl writes in. <laughs> Keller needs to take a page out of Jake Gensel's book. He's a small guy, but he's fearless along the boards and in front of the net, and he scored 40 this year as a result. Okay. Agree. Yes, but also yeah. play when Crosby helps. Yeah, he plays with Sid. Yeah, somebody did respond. <laughs> like, I mean, I, look, the, the 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 core of this whole situation is the skill makes skill better. You have to pl- you have to have the skill and play with. Except players when it's Toby Reader. <laughs> well, yeah. If Toby Reader had, never mind. Remember what McDavid did for Pat Maroon? Yeah, yeah. 
Like, yeah, he made him a the lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> like, that matters. And unfortunately, when you don't have players that generate their own scoring chances, that, that matters too. It's not just there are passive guys that can that put up points, and there are active players that put up points. And the Cavs don't have an active player at the moment. Creating offense. That can create offense for themselves for and for yeah. others. I will say this, though. Gensel was a, was a later pick. But having watched him now for a couple years, if he was on the Coyotes, I think he'd still be a thirty to thirty-five-ish goal scorer. The way he plays, I mean, a lot of it is Maybe. Crosby, but he makes—he actually, I don't want to say he makes Crosby better, but he is—he does attack the net, and the Coyotes don't have a guy like that. I mean, at a certain point, you need to create your own shot too, and um, take it. Yeah, and take it once you've created. it. We do have the Coyotes players who do create their shot and do all the hard part, and then pass the puck. Yes, which is odd. Too nice. All right, I got two more here. These ones aren't as happy. I don't want to end on these. Well, this one's for Craig from Todd. Whatever happened to the new partner that ownership was going to add in 2019, do you think that's the single most important addition the Coyotes need this offseason? Which new partner are we talking about? Did I I actually report that? No, that that stuff was was reported elsewhere. That was reported elsewhere. Most important addition for the Coyotes this offseason? Would that be? Scoring. No, 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 no. He, he meant oh, like having no, a, a yeah, new absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, I think it colors everything they do. Yeah, it's it's obvious it colors everything they do. I don't even know. I think they have a good idea what their budget's going to be, but you know, if the ownership changes, I mean, if, it, if, maybe it's better. Look, there's there's also the reality that just because the ownership changes doesn't mean it's a better situation. Yeah, doesn't mean they have more to spend. There's yeah. still the realities of this market and the revenue that they get. It, they need to turn that around by winning consistently and yeah. getting a better location. All the things that we talk about over and over and over again. But yes, it would be nice to it would be nice to have that in place before free agency. I don't I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. Also, if they could acquire an East Valley Arena on an ELC, that'd be a really big addition. That for would be that'd be super that cool. Would be the biggest thing for me. Uh, last one from Stephen. What is the likelihood of the Coyotes making a change with John McClain? I hate anyone to lose a job, but the power play just struggled all year. And with someone like Paul McFarland out there, it's hard not to wonder if a change might be needed. I addressed this in the neutral zone today. They will not be changing. The entire staff will be back. They may add an assistant, actually. They may add one more if you know if the money's there, all that, if they find the right guy. But I don't I don't see any changes coming with the staff. And, and as, as Rick Toggett and Jake, John Chica both reminded me, Coaching is a collaborative effort. Um, a lot of guys have hands in what you see out there. Yes, uh, John McClain oversees the power play, offensive zone systems, things like that. But he's not the only one with input there. Rick Tockett has great input there as well. They all acknowledge that they have to be better. But it's not just on John McClain. It's certainly partially on the players, too, for making the right decisions. We see what happens when... It's personnel too. The injuries we see. What, we saw what happened when Nick Schmaltz was in the lineup on the power play. We see what happens when Oliver gets more assertive at the top, at the blue line in the middle of the ice, and, and starts getting those pucks through to the net. That helps. So there, there's a lot to parse there. There are a lot of elements that go into it. But yes, they all acknowledge that they need to improve in those areas, and there will be no change. And that's the end of the show. Wow, just like that. That's, that's our that was sort of anticlimactic. Six I feel hour. Like we should end with something. Podcast extravaganza, pod extravaganza that we just went through the two shows. Anything else you guys want to add about the playoffs? Podpalooza, Podpalooza, Podcella. Any any sort of uh, cl- one closing thought from each of you, Jamie. One closing thought. Um, I regret this already, Craig. <laughs> uh, oh, that's I, 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 I got bypassed. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited for these playoffs. Wasn't in the show notes. Wasn't, wasn't prepared for this. Okay. Well. Maybe one My time closing thought is simply that I'm looking forward to watching NHL playoff hockey, but 
I sure would like to cover NHL playoff yeah. hockey sometime soon. Yeah, I'm with you. I think we will be next year, but nothing's given in this league, except Toronto and Boston will be playing in the first round next year, too. Mm-hmm. That is a given. All right, for Jamie Eisner, for Craig Morgan, thanks to everybody who wrote in. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Guess I don't get a closing thought. <laughs>